doesn't always make sense to own, uh, especially when you're first starting out and you don't have the emergency fund and some of the other things in place. Welcome to Getting Money Right. My name is Leo Sabo, and with me is my co-host. Hey, everybody. It's David Thompson. David, today we're going to talk about housing and all the expenses that are incorporated into our housing costs. Yes. And this is one of my favorite topics because I think there's a lot of myths in this area. Mm -hmm. Uh, People tend to believe that they got to buy a house. They got to buy a house. It's the best. It's the American dream. It's the American dream and it's the best decision they can make. And there's no way they could be wrong in purchasing a home. And so we're going to look at all of the categories that fit under housing and we're going to look at renting versus owning. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. This is an area that I think most people know that it's it is the highest cost that we have in our budget. So when we look at housing costs, we need to consider everything that's included in it so that when we purchase a home, if that's something we desire to do, which is a good thing, we're doing the right thing and we're not overbuying or getting into a situation that we can't handle. Yeah, I do love the idea of home ownership, and I do encourage people to buy a home one day when they're ready. Uh, And that's what we're going to talk about is looking at what does it look like to be ready or just to understand what's inside of that uh, line item in our budget. Now, as you said, this is typically one of the top three areas that people struggle in. They usually way over buy in the housing category. The other category is transportation. Mm -hmm. And then most people don't realize what they're doing in their taxes category. And sometimes there's benefits to uh, moving things around there. But today we're looking at housing. And let's talk a little bit about renting versus owning. So I'm just going to break down some of the benefits of renting. Uh, When you're renting, you've got a fixed payment that every month is going to be the same. Uh, Now, over time, each year it can be increased, but typically there's a limit to how much it's increased. When you're renting, uh, if you're in a relationship with the person that you're renting from, they're your landlord, so there is a professional contractual relationship, uh, but you can also prove your character. You You can show that you're the kind of person who cleans up around the house, who's not afraid to do small repairs, who's not afraid to replace light bulbs on your own, and you can be the kind of renter that landlords want. And that causes them to want to give you the benefit of the doubt uh, when a tough time comes, or um, as long as you're making your payments on time, they might not increase rent. And so it, it's if you've got a good relationship, you can keep that rent very low year over year. Uh, one of the other great things is that you've got the opportunity to keep your payments lower over a long period of time, because uh, if you need to move, you can usually, there's now a lot of competition. You can now look around the city and find other places to rent. And you can say to your landlord, well, I'm thinking of moving unless you will keep my rent the same or unless you will lower my rent. And a lot of times that'll work. Now, if you're renting an apartment, it's a little bit more difficult because it's almost impossible to have a real face-to-face relationship yeah, with an multi, apartment. Mul- you're talking about a multi-family <laughs> yeah. type of setting. Yeah. Yeah. When you're looking at big apartment units, uh, you know, a management firm that owns a hundred apartment units and you're just one of the renters, it's hard to build that relationship. But even then, Talking to the management, you know, oh, being absolutely. in the office, you yeah. can still make an impact. Being a landlord, I can tell you that most landlord or even management companies would rather, because the cost of swapping somebody out is yeah. a lot more expensive. You know, if you think about it, if I were to bump up my rent by $25, that's an extra $300 a year. But if the renter says, nope, I'm going to move, now I may have to spend 1000 to 2000 to get that apartment turned around. I may have to paint. I may have to clean it up. Just a cleaning fee alone may be $300. Right. So a landlord wants renters to stay. The longer they stay, the more profitable they are. And so you do have that leverage. But what I encourage everyone to do is have that communication. Keep a friendly um, relationship with your landlord. Yeah. Talk to them. 
Tell them what's going on. If you keep that relationship open, I'm going to tell you as a landlord, I would rather not bump up the rent. You know, of course, if the taxes go up, if I'm not making any money on the property, I'm going to bump it up. But most of the time, when an investor invests in a, in a rental, they're going to make some kind of cash flow. They're going to make some money, and they want to consistently make that. So mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, it's it's a it's not a set fixed amount. And what I encourage people to do is to have that communication. And when the landlord communicates to you, says, "Hey, how can we work this out so it's more manageable? I don't want to move." But this is a big bump and it's going to affect me. Can we work it out? And I will say nine times out of 10, the landlord will will negotiate with you. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can negotiate in there too. And uh, if you're paying, you know, five days early and you're... Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to be a good renter. Yeah, if you're a good renter, then <laughs> yeah. you're the kind of person that has a little leverage and opportunity in that situation to keep your rent low over a long period of time. Now, one of the other great things about renting is usually you're in a smaller uh, place. So your energy costs are going to be much lower. So there's a benefit in that it is smaller. Therefore, energy costs are lower. There is a little bit of a frustration in that it might be a little bit smaller for you. You know, that's a kind of a con as well. We've got to understand that being in a smaller space is not always um, ideal, but it really can help you save over the long term. And the maintenance costs are not your own. It's owned <laughs> by the landlord. And so if something breaks, it's on the landlord to fix that. Uh, if something needs to be handled, you look to the landlord. So Leo, have you had any experience in that? Absolutely. And any good yeah. landlord will will have the kind of relationship and will actually have this in their contract and their lease agreement that there are those uh, situations where if there's a water leak, if there's fire, water, um, you don't wait, you call right away and the landlord's going to be there or they're going to send somebody to, to take care of that because that's a major issue that's going to be costly not only for the landlord but even potentially for the tenant. It's really a matter of of understanding that renting is cheaper in one of those aspects that you don't have the cost of fixing anything. If anything breaks, um, that's you know typical wear and tear, You know something breaks that's not your fault, you didn't break it then the, or, or something's not working the way it should, the landlord will be there within a very short period of time. They have to be, especially if it's a heating or cooling or water or those kind of things. The landlord will get somebody out there or get get out there themselves and fix it as soon as possible. Yeah, and that lowers your risk when you're first looking at housing, especially if you're young. Uh, it's great to not have to worry about the maintenance costs and not even have to worry about maintaining uh, potentially, if you're renting an apartment, not maintaining the lawn, not maintaining the building, uh, the renter's going to take care of some of those things. And so it, it transfers risk from you over to the landlord. And if you're not at a place in your life where you can take on the risk of a $10,000 appliance failure, uh, you know, the HVAC going out, then it's wise to be in a place where you're renting first. Both my daughters got married in the last uh, year, and both of them are renting. And I'm going to tell you, it's so much easier for them not to have to worry about carrying a mortgage payment because it is more costly. We'll get into that a little bit. But just the fact that they don't have to worry about anything as far as their rent and their rental apartment goes. They just come home from work every day. They sit down and have dinner, watch TV, live their lives, not have the added burden of taking care of maybe an older home that needs some regular maintenance, those kind of things that young couples would be able to afford. So it is a much wiser, smarter thing to do, especially when you get married yeah. <laughs> for the first couple of years at least. Yeah. For Ashley and I, we rented uh, an apartment for the first two and a half years of our marriage and it was so beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it was. We we really loved our apartment. It was a small, it was one bedroom. I think it was like 750 square feet, yep. um, but it was so comfortable. You know, we didn't need to load up on furniture. We didn't need to load up on decorations. You know, just a few pieces of art covered all the walls, one couch, you know, furnished everything, yep. uh, you know, one table and a few chairs. It was so simple 
people and we could focus on our careers. We could focus on our time together. We could focus on, uh, it also gave us an excuse to go out to date night, to go on long walks, to Mm -hmm. spend time together. Not just like, oh, we're at home. So we're just going to hunker down on the couch. Like, no, let's go out and do something fun together. So uh, for the first two and a half years of marriage, we really, really benefited and enjoyed living in a one bedroom apartment. That's good. We did it for four years. And, uh, and again, it was, it was, uh, it was the right decision because it kept our costs down. And really, honestly, when you're first starting out, you don't want to focus on other things. You just want to focus on you're together finally. You said I do. Now you're together. You want to enjoy that time. You don't want to mess with having to deal with all the additional burden and, and issues that come up with owning a home. Yeah. And if you're single, it, there's a huge benefit because um, that means that, that any maintenance and repairs and different things that you might have to think about, if you owned the place, you don't have to think about. It takes a huge load off of your mind to know, okay, if the cable goes out, I don't have to call the cable company. That's I'll right. call the landlord and they'll deal with it. If you know the internet goes out, if the electricity, if the, you know anything that's going wrong, Honestly, it's just such a, for a peace of mind standpoint, it's very easy to rent. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I own a home now, but based on what we've done so far, Leo, I'm, I'm thinking about going back to renting. <laughs> Can you share with me some of the cons and help help bring me back down to reality a little yeah. bit too? So let's talk about buying a home and owning because it is totally different than renting uh, in many ways. So the pros of owning a home is obviously the fact that you're actually building some equity, right? I mean, you're, you're purchasing something, an asset that you will own from this point forward. It's yours. Uh, so you can personalize it. You can decorate it the way you want. You can put the kind of furniture you want in it, and you have more rooms. You have more room to fill. That can be more expensive, but it's also a benefit. If you have a larger family and you need two or three bedrooms or four bedrooms, a home will allow you to do that. An apartment rarely will allow you to do more than three bedrooms. And even that is going to be very costly because it is a much larger space. So the pros are equity. Uh, being able to personalize and make it your own, having a large, larger or larger or more rooms, and also owning your own backyard. I mean, if you have kids, that's one of the downsides to being in a rental when you have kids is that kids are kind of stuck in this smaller apartment, which is not that much fun, right? They're, you have yep. to shoo them away to their bedroom to play or something. It just It's different. It's not Again, it's not impossible, mm-hmm. but it is different. Having a backyard where you can put a swimming pool or a swing set or a play, you know, whatever, even grass, let them kick the ball around. That's totally different. So that, those are some of the pros. The cons, of course, is that it's going to be more expensive. Now, I know that many lenders and many people think owning is better than renting because when you're renting, you're throwing money away. I don't agree. Uh, when you're renting, you are, you know, everybody has a housing cost. But when you're renting, as we talked about, you don't take on the burden of ownership. As an owner, uh, you do take on all of those obligations from taxes to the mortgage, to the insurance, all of those things. So let's talk about some of those. For instance, if you were to purchase a $250,000 home, your overall cost for, this would include your insurance for the house, taxes, and your principal and interest for the mortgage would be at the low end, $1,600 with a 4% interest rate. On the high end, depending on how much you put down, if you don't put 20% down, then it would be closer to $2,000, about $1,925. So when you look at those expenses, it's a considerable difference between renting and owning. A nice rental in our area, we live in the Texas, Dallas, Texas area, a nice rental will be about twelve dollars to $1,300. It would have workout facility, maybe a swimming pool, some amenities and benefits to you know a larger complex. You know, It's very difficult to get that in a home, yeah. a $1,300 home, to yeah. have that much space and that much because taxes are higher, 
of course, the principal and interest alone, the PMI, if you're not putting 20% down, all of those things cost. So you go from maybe a $900 to $1,000 apartment to about $1,600 to $1,900. So it's considerably higher. Yeah. And that's what you need to be aware of is it can almost double your cost of housing. And so nationally, statistically, it's 33% to 95% uh, in the cheapest states it's still 30% more expensive to own a home. And in the most expensive state, it more than doubles almost 100 times, 100 times, 100% of the cost. <laughs> yeah. So doubling the cost. So just realize that if you can rent for a year and maybe it's $1,000 a month versus $1,500, $1,600, that's $500 every month that year that you get to save and you can set aside for a down payment in the future or for an emergency fund or removing debt from your life. And uh, Leo, what's the percentage on housing as you're looking at your overall budget? Because people need to be within a certain percentage. A general guideline, a general average I want to shoot for is about 30% of your net spendable income. And that includes not just the payment, but all of your housing costs. So we'll talk about some of those other things that are included in a few minutes. But overall, you don't want to spend more than 30% of your net income. So if you have a net income of $3,000 a month, that would be somewhere around $1,000, maybe $900. Okay. Anytime, and that's, again, for rent, utilities, all of that. So it's really important to try to shoot for that. Most of the, the cases that I've done, I've seen that number be considerably higher. And that's usually where the pain point comes because the cost of the home, including all of the utilities and everything, every expenses that are part of it, push that number to 40, 45%. So now when 40, 50% of your income is going to just that one category, it really leaves you shortchanged in the other areas, which makes it very difficult to budget. Yeah, that's what we call being house poor. Uh, even if you don't own a house, <laughs> you know, you're you're poor just because of the housing situation that you chose. Right. And it's not that you don't earn enough money. It's that you chose something too expensive in housing. And now it's affecting every other area of your budget. And you made a very good point. You don't have to own. A lot of people in our area do rent homes. They don't rent an apartment from a big complex, they rent homes because they have larger families. So mm -hmm. they may have three, four kids and they need a three, four bedroom home. And the rent on that, so of course, it's going to be, it's going to have to be enough to cover the cost for the landlord, which is going to include the payment, the taxes and the insurance, plus maintenance. They're going to figure that in and they're going to want to make a little profit. Mm -hmm. So you're going to pay 15, 16, 1800, $2,000 a month. Again, that's without the utilities. Now, when you add everything else back in, now you're looking at a cost that may be even higher than buying. Again, yeah. it's it's something to consider. Yeah, so this is where you have to look at just what season of life you're in and you know whether it makes sense in your situation. But we're just highly encouraging you. It doesn't always make sense to own, uh, especially when you're first starting out and you don't have the emergency fund and some of the other things in place. One of the things I was talking to someone about, I guess two weeks ago, was, well, doesn't you know a portion of your um, payment go into your principal? Doesn't it pay down your debt? And if you've got a 30-year fixed mortgage, uh, yes, a portion of your principal does, or payment does go to paying down your principal, but it's a very small portion. And so you would actually be saving more every month by renting than you'll be paying down on your house. Because in the front end, due to the amortization schedule, yeah. you're paying very little towards the principal of the home. Uh, where towards the back end of the loan, you're paying more and more. But you have to be aware. Some people are like, oh, well, but don't I get to save $100 in my house or $200 in my house? Yes, but you would be saving $500 a month by renting. And I'd rather have you be in 
building a good, comfortable foundation with your finances before buying a home and then potentially get that principal on the payment. Absolutely. That's that's excellent. All right. So let's go into some of the utilities and some of the costs that are not just for the buying or owning the home, but then maintaining and keeping um, some of the some of the things that you need to have in your home running. So the first one is electricity. If you live in a state like we do where it's deregulated, you have some options here. So it makes it possible for you to be able to lower that cost. And But realize when you're in a home, you're going to heat and you're going to cool more space. So it's going to be it's considerable higher in that case. But the way what we would encourage if you're if you do own a home in the Texas area and you can buy not directly from the electric company but from a provider, uh, you can go to powertochoose.org. That's powertochoose.org. And you can find different rates that fit the kind of um, plan that will work the best for you, spend the least amount, and get the most benefit. Um, and then, of course, some of the things that you can do in your house is being more conscious about how you use electricity. Having all the lights on all the time may look great, but it's going to be more expensive. So think about think about being frugal in that area. Look at energy efficient lights and appliances as you you know add those or as you purchase those or you think about moving it into an area. Make sure that those are available. Also, be mindful of the cooling and heating. Like for instance, as a landlord, I installed when I first bought this property, I installed um, the electric you know electronic, I should say thermostats because I realized, okay, if my one of my renters works eight, nine, 10 hours and they're away from home, they shouldn't have to cool or heat their home or keep it at the same temperature. And then when they get home, they have to bump it up or, you know what I mean? There's a delay there. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to have to replace it, I might as well put a good one. And they're super inexpensive. So I did that. And one of my renters just kept having her air conditioning set at 60 degrees while wow. she was gone. And eventually she ran it so much that the, the unit actually froze. So it caused all kinds of problems and because it was creating ice because it was just I've running constantly. I've never even heard of that. That's yeah, amazing. It literally froze the unit on top. And when she called me and I had a service person come out and they're like, well, she's had it on 60, so it runs constantly and it should never do that or you cannot have it run constantly. And I told her, I said, you know, you're spending a ton of money you don't need to spend. Now, one, protect my property. I don't want you to damage my unit. But at the same time, if, if you have it set at 60 and you're gone for eight hours, you're, all of that time, your apartment's getting cooled while you're not there. So the idea there is you can set that thing to go to a higher temperature when you're not home, and a couple hours before you get home, have it come back down to where you like it. So be mindful that you can use those. And again, it's a simple thing, but I was, I've been surprised how many people don't even know how to set one of those. I'm like, I, I'll, set, I'll spend two minutes, show you how to do it so you can save yourself some money. Because it doesn't make sense to spend $300 in a 1,000 square foot apartment yeah. when you could spend 120, 150. Yeah. And when we're coming up on winter here, what Ashley and I will do is we will turn it down to stay cold at night uh, because you can use blankets to cover up and stay warm. And you sleep better. And you sleep better. <laughs> but then say around whatever time you're planning to wake up, if it's 7 a.m., 6.30, set it to automatically begin to turn the heat up just a little bit. So it takes the chill out of the air. So you're more inclined to get out of bed because it's not freezing in the morning and you can set it to automatically do that. So just setting those adjustable rates can literally save you 50, 60 to a hundred dollars a month. And over the, over the year, it can cost, it could really save you thousands yeah. depending on the size of the home and everything, but it certainly will save you hundreds of dollars. Yep. And I just want to reemphasize here in Texas, we have power to choose.org where you can go and you can find other electricity providers and you can choose based on the amount of electricity that you use in a year, uh, where's the best provider and who's going to provide it to you the cheapest. And uh, if you have the opportunity to use that, Ashley and I, we every year we would go on to Power to Choose and anytime our contract would end, 
Instead of letting it go to month to month, we would then re-choose a new mm -hmm. uh, provider through Power to Choose. Now, one year we got lazy and we did not do that. And so I think it, this is a couple of years ago, we were paying nine cents per kilowatt hour initially, and then went to, went to month to month. So the next month they charge us 10 cents a kilowatt hour and the next month, 11 cents and the next month, 12 cents and the next month, 13 cents. Whoa. It got up to 15 cents <laughs> wow. before we realized. So I think, you know, five or six months, I think probably four to five months had gone by, but they had one and a half times what we were paying before. Yeah. And that's what we noticed. We noticed our bill, like, why is a bill one and a half times as much? It was 80, now it's 120. Why is that happening? And uh, and we realized, oh, when you're on a month-to-month -month contract, they can charge you whatever they want. And yep. so we immediately found another provider that would not move the rate up and down on us like that. So just be aware. This is such a powerful thing, but it's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got caught with the same thing. Just forgot to... Um to renew, I was, we were kind of in a hurry at that time, whatever. It was a kind of a crazy month when it had to be renewed. And the funny thing is on your statement, many of these companies are required to put down, you have this many months until your contract ends or it ends on a certain date. And it's literally in red on my statements. <laughs> so I saw this coming and then, you know, and then when it happened, I totally just forgot. And then two, three months later, I'm like, what's going on here? My bill has been considerably higher. And I went back and I realized I probably spent more than 100 to $150 more than I should have had I just switched. So keep an eye on it. Uh, I don't know, put it in your calendar and have yeah. it go off 12 months from the time so, or at least a month or so before so you can start renegotiating the deal or going to a different company. Yep. So speaking of keeping an eye on something, let's talk about insurance and what insurance rates look like. Uh, I actually talked to someone today, a young man who is renting an apartment for the first time, and he asked me about renter's insurance. And he just had no idea. He was actually really worried that it was going to be expensive. His landlord had said, hey, I needed to see your renter's insurance policy. And he said, oh, I don't have one. I need to go get some. And renter's insurance is typically very cheap. Uh, it's not a major expense in your budget. I think Ashley and I paid... 11 or 12 dollars yeah, a month somewhere between 8 and 10 15 dollars yeah. so you know i think 15 on the high end uh if yours is more than 180 dollars a year that's 15 dollars a month then you need to have it requoted and look again um but honestly it's very cheap very inexpensive and it covers the contents in case something goes wrong in your apartment very simple housing insurance is a little different Oh, yeah. Housing can be very expensive depending on where you live. In Texas, for us, insurance is very high because of, of course, the tornadoes and different things that we get hail. And uh, so there is a, a cost there because our roofs aren't replaced because they get old. They get replaced because they got hail damage. Yes. Um, so when you when you look at insurance for their home, realize that that's another cost that makes your, your home ownership more expensive because it could be anywhere from $50 a month or $30 a month to as much as $200 a month. Some of the more expensive homes around here that are two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, their policies are you know anywhere from two thousand dollars and up. So yeah, it could be very expensive. Yeah, so and I don't know. That there's a, a rule of thumb on this, but you know, somewhere around two hundred thousand dollars, you're looking at a little over a hundred dollars a month. So if you go to four hundred thousand, you're probably looking at well over two hundred dollars yep. a month. And and so just be aware that that's going to be a cost. You know, renters, it's like 10 bucks a month. Owning a home, it's going to be $100 to $150 to $200 a month. And be aware that that's going to be a big factor. Yeah. Also, realize that just like any other type of insurance, whether it's auto, whether it's home insurance, renter's insurance, you should always requote it at yes. least every two years. But it's a good idea to look and say, hey, do I, am I still, am I still okay? Because every year your insurance is going to go up. In fact, it's been my experience. Again, I'm not jaded, but I am. I've, I've done this for a while, so I can tell you this. There's no loyalty with insurance companies if you stay long because rates will go up. I mean, they always do. 
And sometimes switching keeps that comp- competition, keeps the rates lower, especially for new uh, for new policies. So, you know, don't forget about it because I've met too many people that have uh, insurance for their home that they haven't changed in 15 to 20 years and they're paying double what they should. So, again, requote it about every two years minimum and uh, try to save and keep that as low as you can. Yeah, and the way that the way that we do that, Ashley and I, is we do uh, we check with independent insurance agents who can shop across multiple insurance carriers. And then this year, uh, if you own a home, typically when your premium comes to an end or your contract comes to an end, uh, every insurance agent and their mother is going to start mailing you pieces of paper, and they're going to send it in nondescript letters that you have to open to figure out what it even is. And you kind of know it's an advertisement before you even open it, but. But here's the thing, uh, we went and grabbed, or I went, and I tend to, to deal with this a little bit more because I'm financially nerdy, but actually understood every part of the process, uh, and we made the decision together. But I went and I grabbed five of those letters that ended up in our mailbox, and I emailed all five of those agents, uh, and you had all the major carriers involved, State Farm, Farmers, um, you know, I can't even Allstate, think, yeah. Allstate, yeah. Amica, USAA, all great carriers, all good stuff. Right. Um, but we we quoted with each one of them. And then we also had an independent agent do it, and he quoted with another five. So we had 10 different agents. Now, that might be a little over the top for you, but when we say requote, don't feel weird about emailing those insurance agents and saying, here's my current policy. Here's what my new rate is going to be. Can you beat it? And if they can beat it with comparable coverage, don't be afraid to switch because unfortunately there's no benefit unless the coverage is different. There's no benefit to being with one carrier over another of course, there is an understanding um, that there. Okay, so let me say this: there are two carriers that are well known in the industry to have the highest ratings and to be the best on customer service, and that is USAA mm-hmm. and Amica. Right. These two companies are really the top two as far as insurers go. So yes, you might pay a little extra premium to stay with one of them because they are excellent to their customers. And I personally have worked. Um, with Amica as a vendor in the insurance industry for five years, a long time ago, and um, and they were they were phenomenal. Like I enjoyed working with them because they really did care about their customers. So uh, not to plug just them, but to let you know, there is a difference in insurers. But you can look up their triple A rating or their double A rating, their AM best rating, and see how they rank as an insurance company on claims and other areas. But in general, insurance is going to be insurance. Um, so don't be afraid to switch. Absolutely, but. You're, you are right, David. I think you need to pick a good insurance company. You don't need an insurance company that charges very little, but it's not there for you when they need to be there. Yeah. So make yeah. sure you pick in somebody that will. Let's move into another uh, area of the housing expense, and that's uh, internet, TV, service, or cable. And this is something that can be a considerable expense for most Americans. And you know, I know that with most of the people that I've met, in fact, I heard a statistic just the other day that somewhere on 82% or something like that of Americans have some form of satellite or cable yeah. service. It's a crazy number. It's over 200 million number. people. <laughs> yeah, especially, I was really surprised because I thought with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and all those, that that would be a lot lower. But that's not true because, I, and I think a lot of it has to do with the sports channels and you know all the different unique sports channels that so many men are into, obviously, and women too. But um, and so, so anyway, that's, it's a considerable cost. And, and I want to talk about it just briefly because- I think people who are looking to start to minimize some of these costs to get their finances under control really need to consider this as an option to cut from. And my wife and I, we we moved into this home that we're in right now about eight, nine years ago, 
And when we did, we switched and we had cable at the other place, but it was a lot cheaper. And when we moved here, we only had the option to get one carrier. And that carrier charged a premium because they were the only ones in the neighborhood. And we ended up paying somewhere around $140 a month. And after a year of that, I'm like, that's just too much money. And I, you know, I'm like, I'm just not paying that. And so we ended up cutting it out and having uh, alternatives. But again, it's, it, it is something that we all enjoy. We, it's entertainment and it's not something that we should do without indefinitely. But realize that it's a not a need, right. it's a want. Right. And if you need to, consider cutting that out. And here's the, some of the benefits. I didn't cut it out just because of the saving money. Actually, what the bigger motivator for me was, is I had teenage, two teenage girls living at home at the time. And what I didn't want is them to be parked in the living room watching TV all right, day long. Right. And I I just said, I need to cut this out so they can get out there and you know have a life rather than sitting in front of the TV. And that was one of the biggest motivators why we did it. But Overall, I think it's an area that we can cut considerable amounts in. Some people pay well over $100, $150, $200 for those premium packages, and you can do a lot better. And anyway, so that's something just to look yeah. at. Again, it's not it's not telling you what you can and cannot do. Just look at keeping that 30%. Mm-hmm. Look at that 30% as a, as a way of saying, am I spending too much in this area? And if it is... Obviously, you can't you know always switch apartments that quickly. You can't minimize some of those costs like heating and cooling uh, very quickly. But this is one that you can pretty much cut out, and it won't affect your life. Yeah. It won't change your life. But sure, it's a sacrifice, but it's an area that should, should be considered. And if you're racked with debt and you're really struggling to just stay afloat, um, honestly, it's not the best time to be focused on entertainment and recreation. Uh, it's time to remove that debt from your life. Yeah. So you are, you're going to have so much more peace when you do that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so find other ways to be entertained, uh, hit the local library, take walks around the block, uh, start a side business and begin to look for other ways to aggressively attack the debt. And I think one of the cool things to do is to remove this TV service because it's so expensive. Um, all right, Leo, uh, do you want to talk about maintenance and repairs? Yeah, let's touch on two more things. And this is maintenance and repair. And this, of course, is for uh, people who own homes and also updating and replacing because they kind of go together. Uh, maintenance and repairs, of course, is anything that would have to be repaired on your home. And it could be anything from appliances breaking down, a hot water heater quitting after so many years. They don't last forever anymore. Uh, fencing, uh, a roof, you know, you have to pay even if you have insurance, which you will, obviously, if you have a mortgage, especially. But even a roof, it, you're, you're going to have to put the 1% or 1.5% uh, deductible down, and that could be a couple thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So any repairs, landscaping, these are these are things that you have to maintain in order to keep the value of your home. If you're in a homeowners association, there's certain standards you got to meet. So th- those are costs. Either whether you're paying somebody to do your lawn work or you're doing it yourself, there's still a cost. Yeah. Right. You have to buy the lawnmower. You have to buy the gas. You have to put the mulch down. You you have to do some of these things yourself. So there's a cost involved. Yeah. So what Ashley and I have done is we've created a whole separate savings category just for the maintenance and repairs and just for updating and replacing items. Great. So we actually have a house decorations category. Now we, we use it as a cash envelope. And so every month on the decoration side, we put cash into that envelope and it just grows and it yep. just grows. But then when Ashley Perfect. wants to go buy fall decorations, 
she can buy as much fall decorations as she wants within the envelope, you know? Um, And then, uh, you know, there's a few things that I've wanted over the years to fit in the house. And all of a sudden I'm able to go over that envelope and grab some cash out and know that we're in agreement that we can buy decorations out of that envelope. Same with repairs. I can go to Home Depot guilt-free and I can buy a $200 lawnmower or a leaf blower or whatever I need to get because I know that that money's set aside for that landscaping or for those repairs. And if I can do the repair myself by watching a YouTube video mm-hmm. and buying $10, $20 of parts instead of hiring someone to come out for 100 to $200, yes. it's a huge benefit. Um, now, that's not to say I do that well all the time, but I will tell you that... that Depends on the quality of the YouTube video. Yeah, exactly. It's the YouTube video. It's definitely not the user <laughs> on the end uh, experience. Yeah. <laughs> no, so um, th- this is just one of those things that be starting to be a homeowner two and a half years ago, I guess three years ago now, uh, was a really big eye opener for me, how much things cost. And so I started to learn a lot from YouTube and do a lot of these projects myself, but we have the budget there to buy the stuff. And it goes back to what we talked about, you know, difference between owning and renting. Yeah. If you have no skills in that area or <laughs> my do hand not desire, raised. my hand is raised <laughs> or do not desire to have skills in that area, then maybe renting is a better option. Yeah. Really honestly, when you think about the cost of homeownership long-term, especially when people swap homes about every five, six years or oh, so. Oh man. Yep there's really not a benefit to owning. Mm-hmm. It actually costs you more. Now, the benefit is that you have your own home. You have your own yard. You have that personal space. But from a financial standpoint, it is actually more expensive. Yeah, it's always, almost always a loss if, you, this buy, is, if you switch homes within five years. And this maintenance portion is where really it gets can get really, really ugly. Yeah. Because, again, you buy a home most of the time unless you're buying brand new. And even if you are buying brand new, within 10 years... It's not going to be new anymore. Right. Things that were working perfect when you bought it will start to break down. So either you'll be looking at replacing them within the next few years if you stay or maintaining them. Mm-hmm. So there's a, again, there's a cost there. The uh, the updating and replacing is the, the remodeling, which I can tell you that uh, when you live in a home long enough, one of you, maybe both of you, will want to change it. Yeah. You'll want to go from tile to hardwood. You'll want to go from some type of tile in the bathroom to a travertine or, or whatever. You want to update it. You want you want it to be... And honestly, if you don't do any updating, then what's yeah. going to happen is when you go to sell, you're going to have to diminish the price or lower the price, I should right. say, so that you can sell it. Because people are going to say, hey, this thing is like 25 years old and it looks it. And we need to do something. Like we're not going to pay premium for a house that hasn't been touched or updated in the last 25 years. Yeah. So that's that's going to affect the price. So if you're going to live in the long term, you're going to want to paint it every once in a while. You're hmm. going to want to do those kind of things. You're going to have to replace appliances and things that break down. Yeah. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest costs is going to be an AC or heating system, right? Oh, yeah. That, that could be in the several thousands of yeah, we've got actually right now uh, $10,000 sitting in a savings account waiting for our HVAC unit uh, to go down because we know that it is. I think it's over 10, maybe 12 years old. And we just know at some point it's yeah. going to rattle down and we want to have the money set aside to handle that. Uh, and that kind of goes along with the emergency fund. So uh, this has been housing and looking at all the subcategories within that housing category 
a few things to look at is to understand that renting versus buying, there's there's always ups and downs and understand there's not always a clear cut. Look at your electricity, uh, look at your water, your gas, your internet and TV, the maintenance and repairs, look at your taxes and your insurance. Put these things together before you make a home buying decision and keep it under 30% of your net spendable income. So Leo, will you close this out? Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We're so grateful for your willingness to listen to some of the things that we share and we hope that it is helpful for you. So if this episode has been helpful and uh, beneficial to you, please write us a review on iTunes. You can also subscribe. We'd love for you to do that. That way you get it right into your feed and you can listen to it as, as soon as it comes out every week. And don't forget, you can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And more than that, share it with your friends and family. Sometimes we take for granted that people know this information, but I can tell you that from our experience, most people don't have all the knowledge that they can gain. And for us, it's such a focus that we want to share that. And we hope that as you benefit, you'll share that with others. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. right. The benefit is that you have your own home, you have your own yard, you have that personal space. But from a financial standpoint, it is actually more expensive.